Hello to you and welcome to this edition of the Jewelers podcast, Pressure of the New, where we're going to have a bit of an introduction to contemporary jewellery as it is a vast subject. We're going to go into it in much more depth as we go along. Uh, This episode we're talking to Robin Wernicke of Small Space Jewellery and Kira Lee Keynes, who has her own label Kira Lee Jewellery, both in Melbourne. They can be found on Facebook, Instagram. Go find them, like their pages, get connected. They're both doing really well in their own creative spaces and are inspiring to follow. Kiralee is actually exhibiting at Small Space Jewelry in North Fitzroy. So kill two birds with one stone and uh, get up there if you are in Melbourne. Um, we'll start with them telling us a bit about themselves. I'm originally trade trained and uh, worked in the trade for about four years after my apprenticeship and then I went back to RMIT and did a fine art degree in gold and silversmithing and then an honours year to follow. Um, And I did that because I felt that the trade aspect, although it built up a good skill set, that it didn't um, it didn't address design issues, and for me that was an important part of jewellery making. Um, yeah, I then went on to work from my garage for many years. Yeah, <laughs> uh, classic. And then opened Small Space in two thousand. So uh, we've been here seventeen years this year. Wow. Hmm. Uh, and what about you, Kira? How have you uh, come into the scene? Um, I was doing a diploma in visual arts and one of the classes I had to do was silversmithing and I thought I'd be terrible at it because I didn't like sculpture but turns out I really loved it and the interesting thing was people wanted to buy what I was making. So suddenly I saw an avenue in life where I didn't have to be a starving artist (laughs) Um, and then got an apprenticeship with Stephen Dibb Jewellery in Brisbane, did my apprenticeship. I uh, was there for maybe five, five and a half years before moving here to Melbourne and working for Larson Jewellery. Um, been with them for about a year, maybe a year and a half. Yeah. So pretty young in the uh, trade. <laughs> yeah, it's quite different to sculpture, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, Have you tried sculpture before and gone between the two? I was doing ceramics for a while. Um, and I found doing more two-dimensional things was a lot easier than making a three-dimensional object. Sure, sure. So we're going to talk a little bit, we're trying to define contemporary jewellery to some extent. If you Google it, it says that contemporary is obviously modern now, reflective of cultural issues and stuff. Um, Is that something that resonates with you, Robin? Yeah, I guess I see contemporary jewellery as... um, looking outside of traditional concepts of jewellery. I think uh, contemporary jewellery is much more experimental with both materials, techniques and design. Wearability isn't perhaps always addressed Um, and, and I guess that raises a whole lot of other issues is does contemporary jewellery need to be wearable and or and or practical well it's, it's funny with the the wearability of it is because if you're experimenting with you if you're a creative person and you're making things 
you know, then you also have to be the engineer, like, to sort of find the perfect balance and 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 to make it wearable. So they're they're they're, they're two quite complex subjects to to be addressed in the creation of something new. So how how, how have you found that in in your making, Kira? Um, usually with what I've done, it goes one way or the other. You're either making something that is interesting but also is practical and durable or you're making something that's really interesting and not particularly wearable for long term. Have you uh, made things that have not been wearable and more ornamental and like what sort of function do they have? Yeah I have made things that aren't particularly comfortable to wear or may not be uh, able to be worn for long periods of time but they can still be placed on the body. and I guess that that issue is something that arises more when you're working towards exhibition pieces rather than the everyday things we do here at Small Space. Um, and, and I see those as two sort of quite separate issues. One aspect is the art issue then, and then you've also got the process and the building. Yeah, so there, there can be a lot of contemporary... Uh, aspects to new ideas of technique and things uh for example you you used uh nail polish on (laughs) on a on a piece of for the competition piece that you did recently uh so how 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 do you sort of is it is it just a case of you know the classic macgyver like what have i got that's going to fit that piece and or like how how does sort of your inspiration come for that sort of thing um, well, mostly because it said non-precious materials and I was working with things that were non-precious and to really drive the contemporary home, I thought, you know what, let's just use some really strange things <laughs> to achieve the look I want because it's contemporary and you can get away with it. Whereas fine jewellery, if I was using nail polish as, as some sort of feature, it would not be uh, it would not be right. Nobody would like that if it was a, a fine jewellery piece in like the diamond category. It'd have to be enamel or or some other, maybe an acrylic enamel. Um, sure. But um, because it's a contemporary section, they kind of like really like that I'm using weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and that goes back to the wearability because obviously the in time the nail polish would wear off. So it's not it's yeah. not a lot a long term solution but it, it. And does that matter if the piece changes over time um because it's ephemeral or you know, is that an important aspect of I mean, is it for you, Kira, that something may not last very long? <laughs> yeah, it was a problem because I did have a few people wanting to were interested in buying it and I don't feel comfortable selling it because they want to wear it, they want to buy yeah. it as a wearable piece and it is just not going to last. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I would, I would like it, it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've got to get that framed. I can't, I can't wear it. Sure, but then, so that's another interesting part of contemporary because it's such a beautiful design, it's such a beautiful piece to, if you were to rec- rep- replicate it in something that was uh, durable, then mm-hmm. then that that contemporary work has informed something a bit more traditional. Do do you, do you see that and it's yeah, something you yeah. thought about? Sort of like the prototype. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but with that competition, it was the design competition, so it wasn't 
Um, I wasn't entering a materials section. I wasn't entering the diamond section or the precious metal section, the yeah. golds and stuff. It was a contemporary section, which meant non-precious materials. And the whole objective was design. So if I came up with a beautiful design, the fact that it was going to be durable or wearable isn't an issue, as long as it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And uh, do you see that in, do you make prototypes in sort of in a contemporary sense? Um, for me, it's more making some exhibition pieces that are a bit more out there and then pulling the idea back in and taking elements of that to make more more accessible things for the shop. Yeah, one, so yeah. one definitely feeds the other and um, if you're not pushing yourself to, to make some more out there work, um, whether it's conceptual or not, um, I don't think you then have anything to feed that other side, which is obviously the bread and butter. I yeah. mean, exhibition work doesn't necessarily make you any money. Mm. But then it, it it feeds, yeah, absolutely, into a design that will come to you and it will seem so easy and because you've put in that work with concepts and trial and error and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, uh, have you had a, a really good sales piece that has come from that kind of process that you can think of? Um, well... With that that necklace I did for the contemporary, people love it and they love the butterfly wings. So what I'm going to be developing is a sterling silver and titanium range that is affordable and wearable and durable that people yeah. can purchase. So like you said, it's that that idea was feeding the the bread and butter side of things, yeah. where it's sort of uh, testing an idea seeing how the public react to it and then going, you know what, I could probably continue with this. You know, I've had the fun in making yeah. what I wanted and now I see that I can get a bit of a return on it. Yeah. Well, one of my favourite things in Australia is is Rage, <laughs> the music channel. Yeah. And the, the part of the reason I love it so much is because it's just so out there and so experimental and, uh, and I've seen uh, examples of, of sort of the the higher up pop stars and rock stars borrowing concepts from rage mm. um so it it you you know I kind of compare it to an algorithm where they sort of the contemporary are out there discovering all the sort of uh forms processes and, and on sort of on the front line almost is that is, is that something that that you see robin yeah, I think um, I think contem- the contemporary scene in Melbourne, in particular, is extremely strong, mm-hmm. um, and I guess I see more than anything the last few years that there was once a great divide between who was trade and who was um, say uh, TAFE trained, yeah. and yeah. Um, one both looking down on one another, I guess, to some extent, whereas now they seem to be coming together a lot more and um, what we're starting to see is trade people moving into the contemporary world in some of the galleries. Yeah. And... um, and the opposite also, so the, the TAFE people moving more into the trade world. And I, I see this as a, a plus, a positive thing, mm-hmm. and I think that it, it's um, – 
just adding to the vibrant uh, contemporary jewellery scene that we have in Melbourne. Yeah, uh, it struck me in coming to Melbourne with this on my mind, how much design is in the streets and mm. in the sky. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's very much a community in, in Melbourne beyond jewellers in architecture yeah. and, and everything. Is, is that something that's come about recently or has Melbourne always been a cultural Hub, you you haven't been here long, have you, Kira? (laughs) Robin, have Um, you noticed much? I think uh, (laughs) it could it could turn into the Sydney Melbourne debate here, but (laughs) we don't have the harbour, and hence the the culture has um, had to step up. Maybe yeah. So, So I think it's it's been happening for a long time, but I think it's it's particularly vibrant and happening in Melbourne yeah. at the moment. And does and that inspire you, like, seeing the It does, yeah. I'm very not, much yeah. influenced mm-hmm. by architecture. Um, and, yeah, there's some great stuff happening in Melbourne and you, you don't need to have lots of money to do anything either because there's so many free things on also. It's just there's so many things to choose from on a weekend to go and do and um, you, you're never at a loss for something. So uh, with contemporary and doing it in non-precious materials, obviously you, you can't experiment with diamonds on gold and, <laughs> you, you know, uh, do, you, do you experiment with paper and, you know, what other sort of low-cost uh, ways can you experiment and build contemporary jewellery? Is there anything that you've used, Kira, you can think of? Uh, copper's a good one. Um, but it's got its limitations. Silver's usually the go-to for trade jewellers. If they're doing a prototype, silver's usually what we make it in first to, to hash out any problems and see if the design actually works. Yeah. Um, and then usually you move on and make it in the, the real material, the real expensive must you know, gold yeah, yeah, yeah. or platinum, whatever you're making it in. Sure. But um, not normally. But I mean, you do concept drawings on paper usually and you yeah. can do the the all of the the different views of it to see if uh, it's going to work but it's not the same as actually making it so sure concept on paper it doesn't always translate to yeah. working in real life um I, I would often mock something up in cardboard especially um oh. if something's bigger not so much jewelry scale um but i do make other bigger things as well and so yeah often i find going up in scale it it makes a huge difference, not only work-wise, physically-wise, but also to get the proportions right. So, yeah, yeah. So, sometimes I would I would make a mock-up in cardboard. Um, I've used foil. I've used yeah. <laughs> clay. I've used all sorts of things. Um, and I guess really more nutting out the form, like you're saying. Um, yeah, with um, – yeah, I've used wood. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting with other materials because they do go different ways. That you do, you can sometimes find something that you would never have found absolutely in in silver or yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I agree, definitely. As contemporary is an awful lot of concept 
thinking about things, it's very difficult to quantify that as a a monetary value in some ways. So, uh, you know, have you you had difficulty and um, have have you been able to sort of uh, quantify your your time because it, it you it's, it's an art you know you you're you're providing a service so how how do you uh, deal with that robin i think um if you're making conceptual work uh and one-off ex more exhibition style things that it's very hard to put a monetary value on that because you you could spend weeks and weeks nutting through what you're making and you're never going to see a return on that. Um, really, at the end of the day, is that important to someone who's purchasing a piece of contemporary jewellery? I'm, I'm not sure. Perhaps it is if they're buying it from an art gallery. Yeah. Um, perhaps where it's being purchased from dictates whether that concept is important or not. But I think, in general, we have people come in here all the time and I'll, I'll notice... Um, they're wearing a piece of someone else's jewellery that I know. Oh, you have a blah, blah, blah's piece. Oh, is that the artist's name? Oh, I, I don't remember. But, yeah, I love it. So yeah. often it's even the, the public don't even remember who made it, sure. <laughs> which is a bit sad. Yeah. We spend, uh, you know, we've been told to craft this story for our brands and, yeah. <laughs> and they don't care. <laughs> So again, as we were sort of like going through earlier, that you know, because uh, these time that we spend on these items sometimes leads to uh, a range that can be uh, more commercial. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a way to 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 get get some money back from mm-hmm. from that's that it, process. Yeah. Yeah, uh, what, yeah. How do you feel about sort of pricing your creativity? Oh, it is really hard Um, because with some of the pieces that I'm making, I don't know the tech, like the process isn't always 100% going to work. So sometimes it'll work great and I'll have hardly any like hands-on building to do with with the rings I make. And other times it won't quite work and I've got to really do some extra work to make it, to make it functional, to make it durable and wearable. Um, but I can't price that one ring that was more work higher than the other because they look the same. Yeah. So I can't explain to someone, oh, well, I did more work on that one and, and the other one just worked so easy, so you've got to pay more for the one that looks exactly the same as the other one. Just So it's, it's hard to... People don't quite want to understand the uh, the work that goes into it. They just look at what is in front of them. They don't think about all of the backstory and all the work over the years that you've done and yeah. developing the process and getting to that point. They just see what's there in front of them and they need prices that reflect what they're looking at. But then uh, you do, you can get people who are from certain industries that will understand and and they're, they're probably the best customers. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's people who um, understand, people who get it are happy to pay the money. But yeah. that's more of a, like a minority. What we're catering to is more the general public. And most of the time, they don't get it, but they like what they see. 
what's what's your process to develop themes um is it is it you're looking f- sort of following trends or you're inspired by nature or movies or how, how do you go about that robin um my my work's very much influenced by uh experiences in my life um traveling architecture mechanical toys yeah mm. children's toys and even perfume bottles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely don't follow trends. Um, okay. I, and I don't, I do like to look at what other, other jewelers are making and what the rest of the contemporary world in particular is doing. That's important to me. But I, I definitely don't follow trends. And I try to make what, what I want to make. And, and a good example of that is we used to do a lot of repair work for a, a jewellery shop that weren't actually jewellers and they sold very conventional jewellery and they would bring their repairs in each week and every now and then the, the guy who dropped them off, he'd say to me, Robin, you know, you could get some padlock bracelets in here and they'd sell really well and I'd think, <laughs> he just doesn't get what we do yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> or our clientele. And for me, it's never been about how much money it's going to make me. It's always been more important to be making things that I want to make. So, and then do you get a time, like, for example, if you're like, okay, I'm really inspired by plants or animals of the garden or whatever, do you get to a time like, I'm... I've made too many animals of the garden, (laughs) it's time for a break... I'm going to go completely opposite direction, you know, do, 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 if, if you do something, for example, really organic, does that sort of push you to do something completely different for the next season? Not really. I'm, I'm, I think my work is very architectural and I, I sometimes have trouble when someone comes to me and says they want this organic form made and I think, <laughs> have you looked at my website? Do you know what I do? Yeah. Um, I can do that too, but I'm not as comfortable. So I don't tend to go from one side and then totally swing across to the other. There's definitely a style there that I would like to say was my own. So uh, how about you, Kira? What's your process and inspiration? Well, I find it's sort of you work on one collection or one sort of theme and it'll lead you to the next thought, which will be you know, really similar, but in a slightly different direction, you know. So at the moment I'm using rough sapphires and it's very raw and organic, um, unearthed. Yeah, yeah. Um, But what I want to do next is the same sort of thing, but with things I find on the tide line at the ocean. So it's like bits of shell, coral. I want to incorporate some sea glass, but still using the same process, the casting process, hopefully, Um, But it's sort of like it just leads you on to the next thing that's similar but different. And I think once I'm there, I'll probably be thinking of something else that's similar but different again, like little collections that all look like they're made from the same person but are individual collections. So it's like a cycle. So you once you start and then you're making, then you're being inspired for the next 
yeah. cycle. Yeah. They kind of overlapped. That's it. And like Robin was saying, it's not like I, I'm doing this organic stuff and then I'm like, and now I want to do geometrical stuff. Not yeah. at all, because I'm interested in the organic stuff and that's the stuff that I, I love doing. Um, not so much... Yeah, I don't usually jump to the other side um, because for my work, I'm doing fine jewellery all the time, engagement rings and wedding bands. I guess that's the other side of it for me. And I, So when I'm at home, I want to make the things that I want to make. And when I'm at work, I have to make the things that are on the other side, but it's yeah. not what I'm, like Robin said, particularly feel comfortable with, but I can do it. The creativity is a because it comes out of your making it's a driving force and that cycle that keeps you going or is is there is there more than that that sort of drives you to the next stage to the next collection are, are, are you, you know are you keen to work with other materials do you see other people doing things uh, well I mean in yes because I want to move on to doing rough diamonds but that's still the same sort of vein of of what I'm currently doing, but yeah. that's a new material I haven't used. So it'd be nice if I could move on to doing gold pieces with rough diamonds. That'd be great. But again, it's still going to look like the same style. Yeah. And how about uh, you, Robin, with contemporary techniques? Where, what, what have you found works and, and how do you discover new things? Or uh, I guess for me it's about making sure that you keep challenging yourself when you've been doing it for a long time like I have. Um, like my daughter who is 14 said to me, gee, it must be really boring going to small space every day and you've been doing it so long. And I, and I think, you know, what is it that stops it being boring? And it's that little challenge of always pushing yourself to build a new conceptual idea Um so I guess it's really more about the, the concept for me than the materials. Um, I'll then choose materials that, that match that or translate into that and, and say what I want them to say. Mm. Mm. So with contemporary, there's that, that pressure of, uh, you know, you got it in your head, you know what you want, but and now you have to find out how exactly to get to that place yeah and I think if you're starting from that premise that it, it it makes for more interest and pushes yourself further than if you start with the materials or a process and say now I'm going to use this process I think that if you're starting with an idea then um, you have to work through mm. how that idea is best interpreted and uh, have you ever underestimated a process and uh, had a concept in your head that was more challenging than it looked? Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely, definitely. I guess we've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, uh, many years ago I wanted to make some pieces that were based on um, the passing of time and uh, I was also looking at automata and me mechanical toys and I ended up making these pieces that were based on a 12th century clock escapement mechanism and my, my cardboard models were fabulous but when I <laughs> when it came to putting this into place I found the engineering side of it really difficult and um, sure. yeah ended up uh, it's almost watchmaking yeah almost I ended up working with a with a clock guy so um, 
I shouldn't call him a clock guy, should I? But, but yeah, he, he actually had a wooden model of, a, of this 12th century escapement mechanism and I worked on that. And I said to him when I was making these pieces, I want one side to be different to the other. And he was very much, oh, you can't do that. It just won't work. It won't work. Yeah. And I got it to work because as long as the weights were the same, it didn't matter if they looked different either side as long as you got the weighting right. So that that was a, a, a very big learning curve for me doing those pieces. Yeah. What about you, Kira? Have you uh, come unstuck with uh, high hopes for a design? Yeah, I think everyone has, <laughs> definitely. Um, particularly if your concept isn't hashed out properly and you haven't done prototypes. Because I made yeah. the, the mistake of coming up with a concept, not drawing it out properly, you know, just sort of doing sketches and not really working through how it was really put together. And I didn't do a silver mock-up because I thought was just too excited to get in and make the real thing sure. in 18 karat white gold and turns out that it's really, really important to know what you're making when <laughs> before you make it because it didn't quite work out. I had lots of arguments with the piece um, yeah. <laughs> and it didn't turn out looking like what I had in my mind because I hadn't even translated that on paper or into a silver form. So there's no way I was going to be able to get that concept out in gold so yeah. unfortunately it was a bit of an expensive mistake i still have the piece but um i'm only just forgiving it now <laughs> it's been a few years <laughs> i think it's really important also to um to be able to let go of ideas so you can have this great so, idea yeah, right. and and you start doing it and it just doesn't translate or it's not working aesthetically and i think it's really important to be able to pursue that but also to know when to let that go that's so true so and uh have you got examples of times when you've let something go and or, or at the same time like you can have a sketchbook full of ideas well, that yeah, you know not don't quite make it to fruition for one reason or another yeah a sketchbook full of ideas or <laughs> or a, a, a container somewhere that's full of little experimental things that you a either uh, didn't get time to continue with or, or B, they weren't working. Um, I also think it's really important to go to revisit ideas mm, yeah. after a few years, a few months, whatever, and to go back. And, and I think as you grow, you can revisit sketches or models or mock-ups and then see them in a new way and then translate them differently to how you would have perhaps a few years earlier yeah sometimes you can look back and you're like why didn't why didn't I, I do that it's it amazing yeah. and I've, I've drawn it and it's all ready to go and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you do the same have you got sketchbooks or do you oh, yeah yeah I mean I do I do I've got lots of sketchbooks with designs for it's usually for competitions because um, you can't just come up with the one idea. You usually come up with multiple ideas and then you uh, rework them you, and, and you pick your favourite in the end or you have to think about the process and, and the costing and then pick it based on uh, time or uh, affordability. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and, rele- and relevance as well. If well, you, that's, yeah. that's exactly it because sometimes you're um, 
I've come up with designs before they've even released the criteria just because I want to get on top of it. And then they release the criteria and I go, the piece I wanted to make doesn't fit. I can't make it, you know. Save it for next year. Mm. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Or sometime in the future. (laughs) And uh, what are your phones like? Because in my uh, photo album, I've just got screenshot, 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 my child. Screenshot of jewellery, <laughs> screenshot of jewellery, my child. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I've had to create on my computer a jewellery inspiration folder. And it's not just like <laughs> things I've taken photos. Or it's like not just uh, it's jewellery I work on when I'm at work that I find inspiring. Or it's things that I've seen um, in shop windows. Sometimes I'll take a quick snap. Or sometimes it's costume jewellery. And I just go, oh, that's, a, that's yeah. an interesting design. I mean, even though it's a piece of costume jewellery, I could... I could translate that into something that is a precious material. Yeah, costume jewelry can go really in depth sometimes, and like the shapes of them is just like amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And how's your phone? (laughs) You got you got lots of pictures, or do do you make notes, or sort of where do you store your visuals? I'm not as organised as Kira Lee. I don't I don't have a special folder for inspirational shots. But I do find that the last few years um, you more and more have the phone on the bench while you're working and you're taking making shots and because you're posting on social media, texting customers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it has taken on a far greater importance to me than it has in the past. I, I was quite late coming to the mobile phone world I should (laughs) say um but yeah I couldn't be without it now yeah it's a great tool yeah right because uh that's where Taylor Swift writes her songs is in notes of iPhone (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and I've also got like a a sketch app where I can like sort of draw draw quick shapes and and stuff like that I've got those books as well I've got ones for more um developed ideas and then I've got one just for like the the quick chicken scratch sort of like I'll get back to that at some point but I think that's a good idea that I can work on later wow you are super organized lots of folders yeah they're not (laughs) labeled so I usually have to flick through it first and and go okay that's the one I can do the quick scribble in because I don't want to ruin my nice rendered book (laughs) and you you've you've uh have you just started because you've got some watercolors downstairs of of your work have you just started Uh, rendering or is that something you've been doing for a while this is i mean i've attempted a watercolor on a piece of jewelry once before but it was before it was even made so it's really hard to do a realistic version of something that's not even made yet so it didn't look very good this is actually the first time i've watercolored jewelry um yeah yeah i don't normally do it because when you're doing um concept sketches or you've got a um uh, g- give someone a, a design yeah. you don't watercolor it's just a technical drawing and that's what I do a lot of is technical drawings yeah so it's kind of expanding the the contemporary element of the piece itself with uh, with watercolors and or stories I've seen people mm-hmm. who uh, accompany their jewelry with little booklets and and all sorts of things like that so another really interesting angle there uh, what 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 do you think of that robin is is that something that you've t- uh, played with in the past well i guess there's always that uh to when people see an exhibition that 
uh, they just look at it subjectively and judge the work on what it is without any text. Yeah, yeah. Or whether you're supplying that and telling people either the background story or, or giving them a nudge to to get them to look at it from the perspective you came from. Yeah. And I, I think both ways of, of uh, presenting work are legitimate. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's lots of different angles that you can come in with that contemporary because it's all about discovering something something new and, like, originality is mm. near impossible, you know? <laughs> like, right. you can think of the best idea, Google it, and there's 50 examples of... Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> yeah. Of what you've done. So it's all been done before. It's just, I mean, what what do you think originality can be... On, you know, if it's been done before, what are you adding? What, what, what's your thoughts on that, Kira? Well, you know how you're asking Robin before about uh, concept or technique and she's very concept-based and is trying to push an idea through yeah, her yeah. work and she finds a technique to make it happen. I'm different to that because my workplace is always about this is exactly what you're making, this is the design, this is the concept yeah. and you have to make exactly that and there's no variations. I sort of in this making jewellery outside of work and rebelled against that where I don't have a, an idea of what I'm making. Like maybe a vague idea of what I'm hoping it will look like. Nothing solid. It's the technique. So I've, yeah, I just love the spontaneity of it. And in, in that process itself creates originality because I'm not looking at other images and going, okay, I want to bring an element of that or yeah. or being like there's nothing that I'm trying to uh, reproduce or emulate or or there's no real form or or idea that I'm trying to push. It's just organic and just as it happens. And when I pull the the piece out of the mould and I see what it looks like, then I'm inspired by what it looks like to add to it. And then I go, oh, it would look really great if I add a bit of gold here or if I add some stones here it would really bring it together sometimes it's more of a okay that stone's going to fall out I need to do something to make it so it's going to be durable and it's not gonna you know break but other times it's just I'm inspired by my own spontaneity if that's it I don't want to have to have a concept (laughs) and uh you know you just did a, a butterfly necklace that was very original but you know you you google butterfly necklace and you know <laughs> it's oh, a it's everywhere. a different thing entirely that's it i'm that butterfly necklace i originally had that idea when i was a second year apprentice and i showed my boss with a bunch of other drawings that i'd done and he said look the butterflies they're beautiful but they're done yeah. he said they are so being done he's like i want you to come up with something new and so that's a design i did years ago and um I've always wanted to go back and redo it. Um, yeah. But my original idea was more of like the realistic butterfly wings. But because it's a design competition, I've got to create an element of design. So I had to make them a stylized butterfly wing. And every yeah. wing is completely different pattern. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a, I don't know where I was going with that. But it, it's something that I, I re. Yeah. 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 I was yeah. inspired a long time ago and went back and redid it. And like you said, um, why didn't I think of doing that in the first place? Mm. Yeah, goes back to Good, yeah. visiting ideas. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And what do you, what do you think, Robin? What's the sort of your best angle, your best chance for originality? 
Oh. It's, it's difficult. It's <laughs> <laughs> a tough question, a very tough question. And myself, like everybody else, I, I, I made a ring for a customer not very long ago and then saw one almost identical on Instagram. Oh. And uh, my first thought was, oh, my God, they think I've copied. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, it's very hard to be totally original. Nothing's There's nothing that hasn't been done before. It's just variations of. Um, but, yeah. but, but I still think that that leaves room for originality, if you want to call it that, yeah, um, yeah. by, by ma- making work that is original to you. But so, I, I, so it's a bit of a discovery of you, of yourself and you are original so yeah <laughs> yeah i also think it's um it's important to know and to look at other people's work i think that's really important so you do know what other people are doing and and also to know the history of contemporary jewelry i think that's really important to know what what was done back in the 60s or the 70s or the 80s Thank you to Robin and Kira Lee for being so open to the discussion. Uh, contemporary can be a prototype, an experiment, an exploration, an expression, or just filling the void. I love the idea of originality coming from yourself, your, your own journey of creativity and journey of developing an idea or a process. And to remember what has come before you. So you're not several steps behind where you could be and you can find out where you can be. Uh, There's such a vast amount of concepts in history to work from that originality becomes a mandelbrot of all different directions. So everybody's everybody's in a different place when it comes to contemporary. Uh, And remember, this podcast is only scratching the surface and subjective. So you can agree or disagree, but I hope you have enough food for thought to go your own way and continue the slow incline of creative evolution. Um, thanks for listening. Like the Jewelers podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Start a discussion and keep on keeping on. Till next time. Thanks for listening. Take it easy. Bye.